Hello everyone, welcome to One Bit Wonders. Today is a very exciting episode because one of us finally has a play date on their hands. So yeah, yeah that's my <laughs> friend, possibly Axolotl. Um, because play dates aren't really arriving in Mexico. So yeah, the only one of us who has one is Axolotl. So I'm going to ask a couple of questions. Um, first of all, uh, the one thing that we weren't able to like get a feel for uh, throughout videos and images, and that is the feel of the hardware. Um, so how does it feel on your hands? Um, you know, the crank, uh, the screen, all of that? Well, um, just the general hardware, like I feel safer bringing this to public places than like my phone or anything because this actually feels really sturdy while I know my phone is just like glass like it feels really sturdy it has some good weights I could definitely drop this I'm not going to but I could drop this off like decent height and it should be fine but it feels like that yeah uh, it doesn't have like um you know a whole bunch of um complicated elements inside of it uh, maybe the most complicated part is like the crank or the screen maybe but other than that yeah it's a really simple device um not like these phones that pack like a thousand features uh inside the tiniest amount of space possible um and then they're made of pure glass yeah um so how are the how's the d-path uh um, the D-pad feels pretty good. Sometimes it um, kind of feels weird when you're going from like button to button, but for the most part, it actually feels like pretty good. It's pretty clicky, like the rest of the buttons on the on the playdate. Yeah, the best D-pads I have felt, I think, are the ones from 8-bit Doe and Nintendo. Um, also, the previous Xbox One D-pad was pretty good. But right now they have like a super weird, uh, you know, eighth direction D-pad. Yeah, that uh, thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the previous one was super clicky, like the one on the Xbox One controllers. But now the, the Series X controllers, I don't like that D-pad. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, there's also like, oh yeah, of course the elephant in the room. Um, the crank, uh, how's the friction? How's, um, you know, how does it feel? Uh, do you feel safe when, you know, going at really, really high speeds and all that? Yeah, the, the crank actually feels really sturdy as well. I feel pretty good with like spinning it pretty fast. It doesn't feel like it should fall apart. I hope it doesn't because that wouldn't be good. But it feels pretty sturdy to use and it's like really smooth. Yeah, I've also heard that uh, that because it's not like because it's magnetic, um, mm -hmm. it can basically go at uh, any speed. Um, you know, whether it's like super slow or super fast. Um, yeah, because there's like was... nothing holding it in place except for the yeah. stuff in the plating. Yeah, there's really no like um, friction for it. Like uh, you probably won't get crank drift like the Joy-Cons. Um, 
because of that because there's like uh you know the reason why the joy cons drift is the friction between the materials uh mm -hmm. so yeah you don't have that friction with the crank so that's good to know also like the locking mechanism i wonder is it satisfying <laughs> or is it just okay or like the crank locking in place yeah yeah it's like it's actually like super fun to do like when i'm fidgeting around i'll just i'll just grab it off my desk and start like clicking it moving around <laughs> and stuff because it's like really fun to do now I'm, I'm pretty sure one of the first things you did was uh put it side by side with your other handhelds because of how small it is uh the same way people when they got a steam deck they started comparing it with everything around their house like the beta the uh, wii u gamepad and stuff i'm pretty and sure the steam deck's pretty small compared to my toaster <laughs> it's pretty small compared to a fridge i think <laughs> to a refrigerator um the steam deck's not as big as my car i don't know about that <laughs> yeah so um how's the so so i wonder um how does it feel like on your hands because um yeah like as like i previously said um people with bigger hands love the steam deck hate the playdate people with with smaller hands love the playdate hate the steam deck so how does it feel on your hands like for me it feels fine in my hands it's definitely smaller than i expected but that's like no matter how small you think the playdate is it's going to be smaller when you see it <laughs> but it doesn't doesn't feel too bad at all yeah um what i've heard it's it can be a little uncomfortable are games that use you know all the input methods like the ones that use the d-pad the a and b buttons the uh, you, you know the um motion controls and also the crank uh, i have heard <laughs> that those kind of games can get quite uncomfy uh like when they are using all of the inputs at once uh it's really hard to wrap your hands around the thing Ugh. i'm fine with like using the crank in the d-pad or the crank in a and b but if just docking and undocking the crank for a game i just suck at because it has to be like really precisely aligned mm. yeah oh i i was also wondering uh have you you know tinkered with it like installed some some homebrew apps or anything like that yeah i've been messing with a couple of games i did sketch or solve because everybody's got that one and then also uh playtress and then one that i'm working on oh yeah i would like to see that at some point <laughs> um and maybe talk about it on the show um <laughs> well whenever you feel comfortable because i don't know uh like how early it is uh, i've actually been posting about it in the dev form it's not like well, it's kind of early, but it's farther along. Oh, yeah, I'll have to check that out uh, then. Um, so, yeah, I also played Sketchers Share Salt, and I really, really love what they did with that game. Uh, you know, the fact that it's kind of open and you can, like, import your own uh, puzzles and people can remix the project. Uh, so yeah, that's really nice. And I think it's really in line with the spirit of the playdate. Uh, you know, the whole 
Um, well, I would say it is one aspect, but it's not the only aspect, the kind of hackability of it, uh, that you can basically install uh, things from anywhere. Like they are, like with the Switch, you're limited to the eShop and that's it. But here you have, you know, the monthly games, the each.io games, the catalog games uh, at some point. Uh, so it's really nice to have options there. Um, so yeah, uh, in terms of apps, uh, I've seen some pretty cool ones. There's like a reader app that reads, uh, TXT files. So what I do with my, Pe oh, excuse me, give me a sec. Well, what I do with my pebble is that I read, um, a lot of like when I'm cooking something, I usually pull up the recipe on my pebble um to like not waste uh, my phone's battery uh because you know led screens aren't uh you know they are uh told well we are told that they are very energy efficient but they really aren't uh they still like um you know that they, they, they can last like on a huge chunky battery um maybe around three or four hours uh, well <laughs> Yeah, on a phone, I mean, like on a laptop, yeah. like a Mac, like you can maybe get eight, 10 hours out of it. But like on a phone battery, yeah, they drain pretty quickly. So I use them. So yeah, it's really nice to have like reading apps on the play because I think the screen is a perfect fit for it. Like maybe not the size, but the kind of screen it is. Um, you know, like being, how e-readers and stuff also have those, um, well, a similar kind of screen, not exactly the same. Yeah. Like, yeah, reflective. So you don't have to like sit like in a super dark room in order to see what you're reading. Yeah. That's why I love uh, reading my RSS feeds on the Pebble. And I hope that at some point Panic, um, you know, adds the whole networking capabilities to the SDK. So we can get like RSS readers and, you know, maybe even music players and stuff. Um, that would be uh, nice. Uh, but right now we are not at that point. So you need to load the TXT files directly. Um, but yeah, uh, you can also, um, at Project Gutenberg, like you can download a ton of classic books um, you know, as either PDF, EPUB, or plain TXT, which is what I use for my um, Pebble. Uh, that's how I uh, read, you know, I, I have read like a couple of books or like texts uh, here and there. And yeah, that's where I keep my recipes uh, because I don't want to print all of them, but I also don't want to look at them on, on a phone screen. Um, when I'm like cooking and stuff, uh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, uh, it's really nice that uh, we're also getting like utility apps um, because he, he, something um, that I really don't like about the Switch is the fact that uh, you can only do games with it and maybe YouTube or Hulu, but you cannot really do much else uh you cannot like play music uh 
you cannot um, read text and stuff like that. So you're pretty much locked to what Nintendo says you can do with it, which is just playing games. Yeah, and that's like a problem with a lot of closed like systems in general because you have like most consoles and stuff nowadays. They can only play the games that you're given. You can't really add your own games or find another app or something to use on it. If you want to use your TV to like I don't know, do something like we'll listen web to browsing. music like you said. Yeah. yeah, web browsing. Yeah, that's actually... Well, I got an Apple TV for the Apple Arcade games, but a couple of months later, I ended up kind of regretting it because it doesn't allow you to web browse, which is such a basic feature. Uh, it's kind yeah, of insulting. the one thing that I want for it. Yeah, it is absolutely insulting that Apple hasn't added it at this point. Um, like I have, uh, and people say, oh, web browsing isn't as comfortable on, on TV. Well, I have an app called TV Bro on Android TV, and it is very comfortable, let me tell you. It is way more comfortable than it was during the Wii. <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> like if that's your idea of, or like, um, if that's your idea of where web browsing on a TV is right now, you are very wrong. And like, uh, you, you know, the Xbox One, you can also do some light web browsing with it. But I think the only consoles that don't allow you are like the Switch and the PS5. Uh, and of course, Apple TV, because Apple's got to be Apple. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I yeah, remember I, we, were, we set up our Apple TV and then I saw this app called Browser. I was like, wait, did they add a web browser? And then it's a file browser for your Macs, which we don't own. Yeah. Yeah, that's a huge bummer that and you also need to have uh, uh, to to use one Apple device properly. You need like three other Apple devices, mm -hmm. which is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. You, you need an iPhone to do anything Apple. Yeah. Like if you want to sideload an app to your iPhone, oh, you're going to need a Mac. And like, what if I don't? Oh, just go buy it. It's only like a thousand dollars. They can just, ugh. or like, uh, if you want to repair your Mac, like the operating system or something, they say, oh, step one, connect it to your other Mac. Like, do you really, really expect me to have another Mac when those things are like a thousand dollars? Like, I don't even have one. Like, you, you expect people to have two of those lying around? <laughs> God damn it. It's only a couple million. You can afford yeah. it. Yeah, I actually think it's, um, you know, kind of ironic how Nintendo went from, you know, the 3DS era having, and the DSi era, uh, you know, having like, and the Wii, of course, um, having like a ton of utility apps, um, you know, like, uh, instant messaging. Well, not not so instant, like the Wii kind of messaging, <laughs> of messaging where you got like uh, you know a message board that, and they had like the whole Miiverse, and they also had uh, web browsing, and you know they had calculator apps that you know they were paid on the DSi, but <laughs> you know they were there at least. Uh, yeah, they have first party apps. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I don't like with this minimalist direction Nintendo has taken. 
like it is a bit too minimalist for my liking. Um, I used to uh, like, I think we kind of peaked at the age of the uh, PSP and the, you know, no, maybe I think the last console that kind of tried that was the Wii U, like having a ton of features built in. Um, mm -hmm. Like you, you, you had you even had like a Skype kind of alternative, um, so you could do like video calls and stuff. Um, I kind of miss that, like when consoles uh, could also be used as like entertainment platforms. Like I think the PSP and the 3DS were like the peak of that, uh, where the PSP, you know, had like. Um, you could get movies in there. You could get all of your music. Uh, you could even do some live web browsing. And there were even like, yeah, there, there was just a lot of features that uh, are suddenly missing from consoles. I think that even the PS5 doesn't allow you to play CDs anymore. Oh, which was one of, I don't know. Yeah, it was one of the main things about PlayStation that you could uh you know listen to you well the first playstation that you could listen to music in really high quality and it's sony like sony like music is in their dna and suddenly they they just abandon it uh, it's a little underwhelming really mm, that but but yeah um i i think uh played it is showing a bit of a shift uh in terms of you know allowing people to add features to it um, rather than, you know, um, taking down every attempt to add extra functionality like Nintendo has. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like even Microsoft, like they have the whole, um, you know, developer mode for their um, Xbox, but now they have completely you know they have limited it quite a bit like you could do emulation but now microsoft says uh, if you're not posting apps or app updates every two months we're gonna revoke your license so you can no longer do emulation and stuff and it really really sucks that uh you know these um big companies are kind of telling you what you can or can't do with their hardware, um, despite the fact that you already bought it from them. Um, and well, something I like about the Playdate is that they are so far not showing that spirit, quite the opposite, in fact. Um, so yeah, they are really embracing the homebrew part and the, you know, allowing you to use it the, the way you want. Um, so I really, really dig that. Yeah. It's like ah oh, especially when you see like what nintendo has done with game and watches like they are cute and all but they are severely limited uh like i was expecting them to do something like you know with portables uh the mini console thing i was expecting them to do something like they did with the mini snes where they just packed like 20 plus games on it um but no, instead they are like yeah, really Mario and Mario and the lo the lost levels, and, and that's all. also a clock app. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's yeah. fancy. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. Like, 
I, I think they should have, you know, made it, made them like legit gaming platforms rather than just collector's items. Like, um, you know, at, like even if it had double digits game, it had like double digit games, um, like 10, 20, 30, um, it doesn't need like a hundred necessarily to be like, I, I think you will be compelled to play often. Um, but like when it's three games, um, it kind of gets old quickly, which, yeah, that kind of sucks. And that's something that we're not seeing with the play date. There are 24 games and there's also like a lot of homebrew coming up. There are apps, there are emulators even. Uh, so that's really, you know, good to see. Um, it kind of reminds me of the golden age of like um psp homebrew where not, that console like <laughs> wow uh, it really got a ton of that uh there were like um you know snes emulators and game boy advance and all that so mm -hmm. i haven't uh, had a psp but i've been messing with ds homebrew and it kind of reminds me of that as well because it's like super easy to set up and then there's just millions of things already made there Oh yeah, uh, the Nintendo hacking community is pretty big. Uh, it's like, funny because Nintendo as... is like the worst against hackers. <laughs> yeah, and they are like the most passionate hackers around. <laughs> and it's weird because that really didn't happen with Max. Uh, like, there's a very small amount of people who hack their like Apple devices. Like, don't get me wrong, there's still like a fair amount, but, um, you know, much lower than the amount of people who hack Nintendo devices. Like, um, there's much more people with a hacked 3DS than a hacked um, iPod, iPad or whatever. Um, so yeah, uh, or, or even a Mac, like uh, I, mm, Apple, users don't tend to care much about power uh, in general like they they don't they just want things that uh you know work and um you know for for like their basic workflow um but like they they don't really want or try to push it further than that um like i don't know it's just something about uh the apple fan base so, so far, uh, how have been the games you have managed to play? You've had it for like a week or two uh, so far, right? Um, uh, only only a week, so I only have the first uh, week of Season 1 games. Oh, right. Uh, I actually you... got it. Um, I got it on Monday, so I completely missed the, um, oh. free, the game day. Yeah. All right, so... Uh, which ones were their first games? Uh, I forgot. Uh, the Casual Birder and Whitewater Wipeout. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Casual Birder, uh, that kind of reminds me a lot of Pokemon Snap, actually. Um, so how has that game been for you? I've heard some people uh, share frustrations with the controls. Um, because it's like one of those uh, kind of awkward games to play. Um, but basically, from what I've heard, you use the crank to like focus on birds, right? And take pictures yeah. of them. 
Yeah. So, uh, what are your impressions of that game? Honestly, I haven't found it too hard to like switch from buttons to crank because I usually just keep the crank popped out. Like, like I said before, I only find it difficult when it's like switching from docked to undocked back to docked crank because you have to line it up so well. Oh, but right. when it's just like buttons to crank, I already have the crank out. I just let go of the buttons, twist it a little bit, move back. It's yeah, I found it fine. Mm. Um, how about like the art style, the gameplay, and also um, you know the general um, kind of content of the game? Um, um, I haven't finished it yet, but from what I've played. It's pretty cool. I don't like some of the answers to the puzzles aren't always the most obvious. Like there are some screens that I didn't know existed because you have to go back from where, like from before where the start cutscene is in the first place. So I didn't think there would be anything over there, but that's where I had to go to solve the puzzle I was going after. Was... Does it have like a bit of a difficulty curve? Like, uh, you know, maybe first you are. Uh shooting at steel birds and then later on they all move a lot and stuff like that or or, or is um, it like well all the the birds are kind of all they're kind of all over the place because you go on some screens and there's some super still birds and then the second screen i was on i think or the second like actual screen where i can play the game after a cutscene, there's like a super fast bird i still haven't got yet because it's like way too fast but then i go a bit further and there's one that's like moving pretty slowly and like sleeping oh i see so i guess that it's also like pokemon snap in that sense that uh you know in every run uh you can get like photos of various steel pokemons but there are also some that you need to throw things at and you know focus your camera in a very specific way to kind of get them to do stuff and yeah, but the, oh. the good thing about it, though, is that it's not like you get locked out of a screen once you leave it or anything. You can go back, like, anywhere. So it's like, even though you can't get that bird yet, there's still some other time and some other things you could try. Mm. So Whitewater Wipeout, um, you know, um, from what I've seen, it's, like, much lighter in content. But also, you know, mechanically, it's really interesting. So, I don't know, have you been good at it or have you struggled with it, uh, you know, trying to get good scores and stuff? Oh. I'm not good at it, but I played it a fair bit. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't know the D-pad did anything until it told me like five times in the hints. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's pretty fun. I like doing, like trying to get as many in a flip and then like failing because I suck at landing it's after. It looks like one of those, um, you know, really uh, twitchy games uh, to kind of, um, you know, um, the ones you pull up, uh, you know, just when you are uh, like um, bored at the bus or anything like, oh, I'll just play a quick session of this, um, kind of like Flappy Bird and stuff. Uh, yeah, because it's right? like a... Yeah, because it's like an arcadey, not like super long games. It's pretty arcadey. The games are pretty short, so you can just go in, play a game or two, and then shut it off, go to your important meeting or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
So I also wonder because I found uh, the user experience and the user interface uh, super cool. So uh, what has been your experience with it uh, so far? I like, like the navigating. animation. Yeah, navigating it is pretty cool. I yeah, I, don't know. I like using the crank to navigate it. Although it's kind of weird because it's not like you crank it a certain amount; it just keeps going through the menu at a constant rate. If you keep cranking at a certain speed, then it'll start speeding up the ones you're going past, which can make it kind of difficult to find the exact thing you're going to. But mm -hmm. um, the animations, those are pretty cool. I played the intro like seven times. <laughs> yeah, it looks so cute. Uh, it kind of gives me like mid-2000s Nintendo vibes. Uh, you know, when they're DSi, uh, Wii 3DS, uh, Wii U UIs were super playful. Um, yeah, I, I think, no, like even the GameCube, that one had a pretty cool UI as well. Um, so like, yes, uh, I, I really like the way uh, everything is animated uh, and it's all like super snappy and stuff. Um, I really like that. And I also heard uh, like Neb and Seth that, uh, you know, they really, really um, tried to find a balance between uh, playfulness and usefulness with it. And it really shows. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I really, yeah. really dig that. Uh, so, yeah, I also <laughs> like how uh, mm, the, the way the, the gift boxes are opened up uh, whenever you get a new game. Um, that reminds me of how the 3DS also gave you new software in gift boxes, which is super cool. Yeah, I was thinking um, of that. I was thinking <laughs> of that. Because, yeah, it's like really cool, the animation for that as well. And um, I also like all the random little details that they let you do. Like, you can set a custom wrapping paper texture for your game, so then it's like the gift box has the texture of like the character from your game or something. Uh, dogs... Oh, that's that is awesome! I didn't know you could yeah. do that. Yeah, because yeah. I was um, messing with it. I was kind of confused what the wrapping texture was, but then I tried it on my playdate, and then suddenly I saw like the character, the rocket, and the saw blade and stuff in my on my wrapping paper. Oh, that's super cool! Like I can imagine, like I don't know if if it has that already, but maybe like uh, Playtris or another Tetris clone just has like a bunch of Tetriminos on the wrapping paper. Um, and you know, a lot of, uh, cool stuff like that. Uh, I just really like it. Uh, there's this, uh, YouTube channel. I don't remember the name, uh, that kind of made a video of all of the, you know, uh, Wii channel animations or like games. Uh, you see how they had like animations when you, um, you know, put a game disc on the Wii, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and also you could also see that on the 3ds and stuff. It would be nice if uh, you know a couple of years from now there's like uh, you know a, a video of that source, like a compilation of all of the wrapping papers and and title screens of Playdate games. Oh, that would be super cool to see. And then Playdate games even have something similar to like the Wii games did because you can have. Your uh, cover image, and then you can have like an animated one that plays when you're hovering over it, and like 
custom launch animations and everything. Yeah, that's super, super cool. <laughs> and yeah, it's bringing back some of that playfulness that we have frankly missed in the last decade or so of um, gaming, um, especially like on consoles, um, you know, like, uh, well, yeah, modern consoles have just lost that completely. Um, so yeah, it's really nice to see it uh, sort of revived. Um, yeah, I was even saying on Twitter the other day, like somebody posted something about like the Wii U music and I said like, it's the last AAA console to have any personality. Yeah, we've, we've really been losing, uh, you know, the good traditions uh, uh, of the past. Don't get me wrong, we have also fortunately lost a lot of bad traditions we had, like the Toys <laughs> to Life tradition. Oh, uh, that was such a such an awkward space for gaming, and I'm glad we're past that. Um, <laughs> they were like that generation's NFTs. <laughs> like every company was telling you they were the future and they were going to benefit you and they were going to make games more compelling, but nothing good came out of them. So... <laughs> I think yeah, we're literally, literally nothing good. Literally nothing yeah. good. I tried to use a Skylanders portal as a NF or a NFC reader <laughs> um, for my computer. I tried to use it as that, and it doesn't even work because it only reads Skylanders, and it needs like custom uh, drivers and everything. Yeah, I'm really, really glad we are past that point, <laughs> and I hope we can say the same about NFTs uh, soon. Um, I'm glad that uh, Playdate is keeping some of the playfulness on game consoles, which are the one place where you would expect some playfulness out of your user interface. And ironically, now they are the most drab looking, the most dry uh, user interfaces out there. Uh, like even compared to, um, you know, um, user interfaces from operating systems like i would say gnome 40 is way more playful than the switch ui and that's like a computer <laughs> os uh meant to just uh, you know do work and stuff so uh, yeah that's how bad we've gotten like smart fridge os's are better than like any game console except for the playdate now yeah yeah and it's also you know um it also reminds me of Pebble, how playful it was and and how it wasn't afraid to be playful uh, because, you know, right, right now everything is trying to, to appeal to the corporate mindset, uh, you know, to the executive, um, to the, you know, all of that. And it's not trying to appeal to like uh, the kid within all of, all of us uh, anymore. Like, um, and I think that's, uh, you, you know, kind of a regression we've got, uh, like, mm -hmm. like, I, I don't mean that, uh, you, you know, we should have like 10 second long animations for everything and stuff. And that's where balance comes in. And that's something that, uh, panic has nailed with their OS. And oh yeah, I also forgot to mention the Vita. The Vita had a damn good UI, uh, like. Uh, it wasn't like the most polished or anything. Like it had, it had its issues, 
but you know the bubbles floating around that was super cute i liked that um and yeah uh now you see like the ps5 menu and well it's functional i would say the ps5 menu looks cooler than the xbox menu uh with all its with all the ads and stuff i think the xbox menu is one of the worst ones out there uh, <laughs> definitely like, yeah. like i would love to have like um my switch but then instead of it just being gray like it is normally having like the snes classic kind of menus for all my games and stuff that'd be cool yeah and you you know where there was like a famicom theme for the 3ds an official one where you know as you moved along the menu um the sprites on the top uh you know they kind of animated as you moved around so yeah, i have i have one for my ds and when you press the um arrows mario jumps on the top screen to like go to the next page yeah all of that playfulness we've kind of lost it things along those lines um yeah uh no like um yeah play play definitely isn't afraid to do that sort of those sort of things uh anymore uh, no like uh, it's yeah it's really reviving like a lot of the people think a lot of the things people were fond of um when it comes to console design um from a different era uh, and you know, showing that they are still as appealing today as they were back then, um, and yeah, sh showing that we don't have to, you know, compromise on playfulness, especially on a gaming console, um, you know, to have like a good user experience. Uh, so, mm, yeah I, I i have really positive feelings on that like the user interface and user experience of the play date uh, i think they really really nailed it um so um what else can you uh tell us about the play date the screen uh yeah that's one thing that um you know was like uh something a lot of people were worried about uh, because of the lack of the bite of the backlight so how have you experienced that? Um, has it been like an issue? Have you um, decided to go out more, um, you know, to see the screen more clearly? Uh, how have you handled that? Honestly, it's not been bad at all. Like as long as I'm in a room that has some sort of light, it's usually fine. I can see the screen in like my gloomy school light when I'm sitting on a bench like before school with it. It's like. As long as there's some light in the room, I usually can see the screen pretty okay. Like, obviously, it's better with more lights, but it's not been that bad for me. Yeah, I think the problem mostly shows up uh, with people whose only source of light throughout the day are the RGB lights on their computer. Uh, <laughs> then I think they will have a problem. But uh, yeah, as someone who has uh, had you know, the Pebble screen for a while, uh, yeah, it looks great almost on any condition. The, the colors will always look better like on an OLED screen than they will look, uh, you know, on e-ink or like anything of that sort, anything like that. Um, mostly because, you know, OLEDs can like show 
you know, a whole spectrum of light. Um, yeah, uh, you have better like contrast and better colors and stuff, but um, that's not really what uh, the, you know, um, passive screens like e-ink and um, memory LCD are for. What they're really for are, um, you know, being very energy efficient while also looking good enough for what you want to display on them. Um, and I think that's why, um, you know, the Pebble and the um, the Playdate uh, succeed um, when it comes to their screens um, because they are not trying to play any like high fidelity, um, you know, HDR video or AAA game. Um, so they look uh, just fine. Like they look better than the Game Boy looked uh, back in its day. Um, and they played it, I would argue, like it looks um, similar to what the Game Boy Color looked like. Um, yeah, in terms of like its color reproduction and stuff. Um, but yeah, um, you know, those are still comp compelling experiences, like the ones you can have on the Game Boy and Game Boy Color. And, you know, on the Playdate, you can still get uh, the same sort of compelling experiences. Now with the with modern sensibilities from uh, developers of today, uh, you know, the ones that grew up with the games of the last 10 years, and they can see what worked and what didn't in those games. And so that's why, you know, modern games have been, uh, modern indie games uh, have been getting so much better. I wouldn't say the same about AAA games. I think, uh, <laughs> that's been a mixed bag uh, to say the least uh, but like yeah with indie games like uh, developers like really look critically at what the last uh, couple decades of gaming have been like and they can really take what worked what didn't and add something of their own on top of it and I think that's part of why the play the games feel so fresh despite uh, many of them being so familiar. Um, yeah, it's the fact that they have these, you know, modern indie sensibilities, um, you know, but also these uh, sort of classic limitations. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, what I can say about the Playdate is that uh, it's really a platform where um, indie developers uh, can flourish uh, despite the limitations um, because it um, it isn't limited by um, you know by a demand to push uh, you know better resolutions by a demand to you know push new rendering techniques uh, by a demand to push more polygons more pixels. Um, here, like uh, small developers can just focus on the story, the gameplay, and um, not so much on the fidelity of the visuals. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think that's why uh, it's become such an interesting platform for developer for developers. Um, there's also like a comic creation tool, uh, and we have already seen some comics come out of that. Uh, I think we'll talk about some of them soon. 
Uh, I'm really excited to cover them. Uh, however, I haven't had time to try them on the simulator, but I, I, I sure will. Uh, and I'll let you know um, about them. Um, anything else you'd like to add about your first experience with the play date? Um, like uh, where well, did it, yeah. <laughs> well, for the developer side, cause you were bringing up like limitations and stuff. The Playdate has like good limitations because they're like creative ones that you get you to think more creatively around them. Like how Pico H, that's like really fun to use, even though it's super limited because it's got these fun limitations, like a limited color palette that you have to think around and see how you can make stuff look good in that and the like small resolution and all that stuff. But they're good limitations that are like actually really fun to try and get around and try to mess with. Okay, so now that we've got uh, a hands-on with the Playdate, at least some of us, um, I think uh, it's really exciting to look towards the future. Uh, right now that we, are, we aren't looking towards uh, when is the Playdate launching and if it is launching, um, we can look forward to what can still be done with the platform. And, you know, sometimes the most exciting things come three or four years after it has already launched. Um, that's when people learn to take full advantage of uh, the hardware, where they um, you know, learn how to uh, circumvent some of its limitations and make the most out of them. Um, so I think Playdate is a platform with a really bright future, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. That was all for today. Thanks for tuning in to One Bit Wonders, and we'll be back with more One Bit goodness really soon.